listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. And welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. And I'm your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Now, today I'm joined by three guests. Ben Pritchard, who's one of my colleagues who you've probably seen before, Davinda Rial and Richard Dolman. Now, these are two uh, guests, very interesting today, uh, heavily involved in the demolition industry. So we have a big discussion about all things demolition. But first, of course, Davinda, tell me, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, Overnight oats. Overnight oats, brilliant. Soaked overnight and then cooked on the stove. I just in the microwave two and a half minutes. That was it. Job done. A few chia seeds, and that's it. Quick and easy. Very good. And uh, Richard, how about you? Um, Parma ham, cantaloupe melon, uh, granola, blueberries, and a, a, a small helping of Greek yogurt. Fantastic. That's a Mediterranean one. Yes, I'm told reasonably healthy. Sounds it. Ben? Uh, yeah, I was more towards sort of Davinda's, uh, so I had a bit of porridge, some fruit uh, and a cup of tea. Lovely. Well, I, I, today I was, I had sourdough toast with Marmite. Marmite. So nothing too heavy for me today, but very good coffee. So welcome, everybody. And uh, Davinda, perhaps you could just give us a little bit of background, who you are, what you've done. And explain some of those, that huge long list of post-nominal letters you've got. Okay, so I'm Devinda Rehal. I'm technical director with John F. Hunt. I've worked for John now for the last 19 years. Worked for John Molam and Company to start my career. Joined John to do one basement and been here ever since. And it's different. It's a changing industry. And I'm sure we'll get on to the fact it's changed in what we do and how we do it over the last 20 years. And before you go on about the collection of letters, it started off as a competition with our compliance director on who could get the more, most letters after their name. I'm winning, I'm at 23 and he's only at 21. And I said, it did start off as a bit of a joke. And then over the last two years, it's just got out a little bit out of hand, but yeah, I'm gonna, I've got one more set to collect and then that's it. I'm gonna hang it up for a while. And what is it that you're after now? I'm doing another MSC. So apparently you're allowed to write MSC space MSC. I was hoping to write MSC squared. Oh, I did MSC squared, Davinda, because when I got my second one a few years ago, I I had that, what do you do? Do you put MSC, MSC? And I I put a square, I put a two above it. So I've got the... uh, It's incorrect, obviously. (laughs) Of course it is. but (laughs) I've trademarked that, though. Or at least I should do. Anyway, it's a great story. Richard, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm Richard Dolman. Um, I'm actually a completely self-taught demolition man or person, whatever we're supposed to say now. But I am. Um, I uh, I started just operating a JCB excavator, a backhoe loader. I was an owner-operator of that from 20 years of age, and uh, somehow drifted towards demolition. Um, that was uh, 27 years ago, 
I'm now currently, as well as being a um, running my own demolition business, I'm also the current president of the um, Institute of Demolition Engineers. And uh, I come nowhere near all of you with the uh, with the uh, accolades after my name, but um, I have my, my IDE and I'm just a year behind Davinda completed the MSc in Demolition um, Management and Engineering. That's, I mean, that's really fascinating. I love these, you know, when you have these contrasting career paths, it's really, really interesting. And that's one of the great things about construction is yeah. that uh, you can start anywhere and uh, still make a big success of it. So I suppose we really ought to talk about how we we got to know Davinda. I suppose, Ben, you uh, well, yeah, it's not just me. I mean, obviously, you uh, you know a number of the guys, Paul and uh, and the likes at John F. Hunt very well for a number of years. But for a few years, uh, I've been helping um, Davinda and, and the guys um, sort of realise some of the opportunity from the amazing innovative things they do through their um, R&D tax credits. Um, and I think... Um, you know, Davinda sort of started talking about it as well. Um, it's amazing. You know, I first got into the demolition industry about 10 years ago, um, sort of through my old role in Magnox, uh, when we started to um, uh, pull down buildings uh, all across the UK. Uh, and you have a real sort of sense of, a, of an industry, a stereotypical sense of an industry that, you, you know, still has that long swinging ball just going around wrecking buildings but that is completely unfair it is actually one of the more technical uh, parts of the industry uh, and it's amazing um, you know day in day out some of the amazing things you guys do uh, John F Hunt to um, to enable some of these buildings to come down uh, and all across the industry um, you know some of the temporary works that you uh, develop to, to do things safely, some of the uh, complicated procedures you put in place to take out asbestos, to sort of remediate ground. Um, you, you know, it's an industry that really needs a bit of a sort of flashlight on it to sort of show the rest of the world just how amazing some of the solutions uh, you come up with are. Yeah, I mean, I th Ben, thank you for that. I mean, the biggest difference, I suppose, between what we do in demolition and construction is in construction, you know, a set of columns goes up, it takes a week, you pour a slow slab, it's another week. Whereas we can look at a building one day and the next day the floor has gone and it's far. And that's probably one of the biggest changes. Is it changes so rapidly. You know, one day the guy walks onto fourth floor, the next day he's walking onto the third floor. And it's that rapid change and how, you know, you're always moving barriers, handrails and that constant, um, you know, our daily brief is probably more relevant to our guys, and Richard will say the same way, because this daily brief is, it has changed overnight. Well, it's not very rude, and I'm not, this is not detrimental to the guys in construction. If you're laying a big four slab, you're fixing rebar for three days, and you might pour the slab on Friday. Whereas Friday, we might be three floors different, and the lift shaft's gone. So, and that's probably one of the biggest, you know, and some buildings are, as you've said, you know, they are big machines and you can work your way down with them. I mean, the guys from DSM do 30 story tower blocks with a machine sitting on the floor. Whether you could ever run that in London with all the, the tunnels, you can't do it. So it becomes a 
And now the where we are depend fixes the methodology more than how we want to do it. You know, there may be two tower blocks, one with loads of room around it, one with no room. And as Richard alluded, the MSC, we ended up with a class of 12 people and they could not have been from more diverse backgrounds. You know, I've never done a job in a field anywhere. And some of the guys in that course had done jobs where they had all the room in the world. And we looked at the same job completely differently. You know, there's two completely different solutions to the same problem. And that, I suppose, in demolition makes it unique. Whereas if you are doing columns and slabs, unless you change from Dorker to Perry, it's columns and slabs. Mm. It, there isn't that huge difference on how you want to do it. No, I'm it's sort of interesting the way you know you talk your demo is obviously for various reasons very outcome focused and outcome driven and everyone talks about how construction in general needs to be more outcome driven it's you know what is the end state we're looking at and then let the experts you guys work out the best way to get there dependent on the context the where the what and the why uh, uh, of what you've got and if that's certainly something that the rest of the industry could um uh, could learn from I mean, certainly when I was procuring sort of uh, demo packages, um, you, you know, the you're right. Everyone came up with a slightly different way of approaching it. And in some ways, not knowing sort of the, the detail and the experts. Um, that's why I'm sure you both know Steve Jack and some of the guys that we had back in the day. That's why we got them to uh, to come in and tell us what good looked like. Yeah, it's, you know, it's fascinating this. And I think this is a, a piece where You've you've clearly actually recognised it, um, Ben. But the the I think that you mentioned the first critical point at the start, whereas our industry is tarnished with this this thing of blowing things up and wrecking balls and and you know um, go and work in demolition if you can't do anything else type thing. And um, you know the, the, I always remember the last scene of one of the on the buses, whereas uh, they, they they kept wrecking all the buses and things, so they put them into demolition at the end because they were no good at bus driving. Um, and they, but whereas now our industry, it's it's so construction, you can design it to death on the on the drawing board or CAD or whatever until you actually execute it. Whereas with demolition, we're problem solvers, aren't we? We're we're given something that we don't know anything about, very little information and asked to remove it. And there's a lot has to go into that before you've got confidence to take a floor off, lift a bridge down, take a building down, whatever, and what's the surrounding things. And a part of, I think, one of the, the big things with the MSC that, that Davinda and I sat on together was that now during that, we started to meet other professionals and they started to talk to us and take us seriously. And looking at this whole full circle of where we're going to go, you know, let's let's before while we, when we design a building to go up, let's look at what we're going to do with it at the end of its life, and not just whether the building can be reused or how we're going to take it down. What we're going to do with the materials? It's it's absolutely endless. What the things that we could talk about and learn. Yeah, I, I have to remember. I remember when Davinda told me he was starting this master's degree is it Wolverhampton wasn't it mm. yes yeah 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 I, I was amazed that there was the material to warrant it but of course there is and yeah we, in a sense we we learned we um started to understand this with the work that we've been doing with John F Hunt uh and of course my own background 
I started in uh, foundations, having done a master's degree in soil mechanics. So I really appreciate the journey that that industry, your industry is on. And it's great that it's it started uh, taking people to that level of understanding, because, of course, master's degrees are supposed to be the edge of knowledge, aren't they? Yeah, well, the, the, I think it's I think it's great that the industry's now gone there and, and pushing harder. And we seem to be getting a um, so I'm actually involved in the management of the course as well and the development of it, um, which was bizarre, which is how I ended up doing it. Because when I went out to develop it, I asked them if they'd give me an honorary degree. And they said, no, if you want it, you've got to do it, which yeah. seems <laughs> odd. But, um, uh, but no, I'm glad now I did it because the learning has been so rich. It's been great. And it's it's now attracting other people into into the industry and, and people realising that it is a professional industry and there is there's massive amounts of still to do. Tell me, Richard, tell us, tell us a little bit more about your institu institution. Yeah, so the, the, the Institute was, is, it's not a trade body for corporate organisations for companies, it's for individuals. So anybody that's involved in, in demolition or demolition management can um, uh, apply to become a member. You can actually come to our seminars if you're not a member. And, and learn and gain experience and the whole idea is is, is a, a platform for sharing best practice sharing lessons learned um, sharing case studies and generally exchange information throughout the industry that i mean that's that's really admirable how just tell me a little bit of the history but how long has it been going you've tripped me up now um, <laughs> i mean yeah um about I sh um, we're coming up to the 50th or 60th anniversary. I should know because we're planning it. But um, yeah, it's. I think it's the 50th we're coming up to. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. things must have changed a lot in that sort of 50 years in terms of um, what you offer uh, as an institute. Sort of, you know, the amount of members you have, the the way people sort of see you guys as, as being. So far more integral now i'm sure than it used to be yeah well that's that's the good thing because it, it ignoring the degrees for a moment even before those came along the membership of the institute you know it's a rigorous process to become a member and and it's become more rigorous now with the introduction of cpd which would which was introduced um seven eight years ago and now it's got recognition as well. So now people in, in through the tender process are asking how many qualified institute uh, engineers will be working on the project and things. So it's got it's got real uh, kudos and, and understanding about it now, which is, you know, great. And um, it's recognised throughout all things connected to demolition. And what's what's the membership look like? Is it just UK or is it Ireland or the rest of the world? Is it? Uh, it's United Kingdom. Um, we are encouraging other people from the rest of the world. We have had some members. It's just difficult for them to keep up on the CPD, and it's slightly difficult because generally the UK is um, more far more advanced than a lot of countries with the demolition industry. So trying to um, align it all is difficult, but it, you can see it coming. And actually, I, I can see our international membership gaining a lot more momentum because 
we've now been forced into this world, haven't we, of Teams, Zoom, and people are doing conferences differently and that type of thing. And, and I think it's here to stay. And I think that might be become an asset to us. Um, we're delivering seminars and things, and I think it will help grow our international membership. But our current membership is um, uh, plus 400, 400 members. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I certainly agree with you that uh, Teams and Zoom meetings are here to stay. Yeah. I'm just taking this podcast as a, an example. We used to film these in our office. Yeah. Central London. So, um, but now it's a bit harder to organise. <laughs> yeah. But, but of course, now everyone's used to it. Um, we could, we've been running these with people all over the world during uh, during lockdown. Yeah, exactly. So th- there you go. You're you're carrying out successful meetings, podcasts with people from all over the world, and uh, there's no reason why we can't do that with the um, with seminars and meetings with the institute. So you start, you've mentioned there, sort of Richard, the the change the last twelve months or so has had on sort of the the CPD and everything else that that you deliver to your members. Um, but you know, put your other hat sort of on now, Richard, and contractor and you, Devinder. How have how have things? What's the impact on site? Um, what sort of um, you know has it made you have to innovate more, change the way you go about things more than than you would normally see? That's yeah, a- I mean. Sorry. One of the big changes, Richard, has been like we've got guys up at Sellerfield and now they've banned the minibuses. They don't want 12 guys in a minibus. So where people are congregating, all getting in a minibus to go through into Sellerfield. And you know what it's like. Get all the Now they only want two a car. So we've gone from having 12 guys, one van searched in and out. We've now got six cars. And <laughs> it's odd that we've gone from this, let's all get together one minibus to this total change. And that's probably the the easiest impact but again on sites we've had you know we've had to have more welfare cabins we spaced guys apart um and i think the transport thing down at hs2 they're asking us or we've been instructed not to travel peak so the guys are getting there earlier or we're getting starter so we're having a more a longer blended day some guys are starting at seven some guys start at nine and it's just to you know so you don't get this huge peak of all people trying to cram on the tube, get off the tube. And we are getting that. And local authorities being good. But the most disruptive thing probably has been the local authorities, you know, trying to get hold of a planning officer to sign off. a. They're all on teams. You can't, you know, they've all got landlines. And that's actually slowed down some of the planning process. I think I've got three jobs now that are all being shuffled back because we just can't get stuff through planning. Mm. Yeah, I think it's this is an interesting one because I know how um, the type of work that John F. Hunt do to the type of work that we do. And uh, a lot of your work, I mean, Devinder's touched on a lot of work in London, sort of top-down type where you, you wrap a building in scaffold, put small machinery on it, take it down floor by floor, which is very labour-intensive, a lot more staff, um, yeah. which is difficult to manage, where a lot of my work, the type of work I do is more, um, not quite so much in the middle of a field, but a lot more, you know, machinery based, which is becoming easier to manage or not so much of a difficult thing to manage. Um, but it's it's been challenging around things like welfare. Same again, we've had to put more welfare up. 
we do a lot of working away from home. That's been a challenge for accommodation for the guys. And again, the traveling type thing, whereas we've been battling for years trying to get guys to van share, minibus share. Now I want to go in my own van and all that type of thing. And now we're saying, here's your own van. And I'm, I'm, I'm dreading the day when we go back to um, vehicle sharing. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, I think there's there's no doubt, is there, that the, the short-term changes in behaviour have been absolutely necessary. And I think the, the, the really interesting question for me is how much of that will change back to the way it was before. So maybe people will go back to van and car sharing. But I don't think we're going to abandon Teams and Zoom anytime soon. No, I think that, you're right, Tim. That's a permanent change. Yeah, I think people have, you know, I've, with John's chatting to on the other day, you know, we're looking at having three days in, two days working from home, and it's far more productive. You know, especially when you're working on a tender, as long as you've got the stuff, you can sit there and your phone doesn't ring, it's a bitch. And you can, it does need a little bit more structure and a little bit more self-discipline to make sure you get on with it. But I think for some tasks it works, you know, and will we have a smaller office in London? And I think that's the, you know, we're seeing a lot of schemes changing from that were development into resi. You know, they, you know, you look 12 months ahead, people are looking at more resi schemes, less commercial schemes, because they're going, well, there won't be the throughput of people into offices in London. Mm. Well, that, that, that brings up another interesting subject because we've had a series of these podcasts. Not sh- we've only published one today, but we recorded two more. Um, talking about exactly that you know what is the world of uh, commercial property development going to look like and some of our clients are at the really the front end of uh, conceiving these uh, new developments and projects there's a lot of thought being put in at the moment on the repurposing of offices yeah. uh, to make them either complete change of use but the, the the bit that i think is really interesting is the ones where they're thinking about how they're repurposed internally to make them feel pandemic they don't say COVID, pandemic secure yeah and to accommodate the likely change in commuting behavior so we've heard of uh, offices being repurposed with the ground floor even the basement turned over to cycle storage and changing rooms and what have you. Perhaps having offices, um, meeting rooms on the first floor, and then no one who's a visitor goes above that. Right. And then all sorts of clever changes with the the M&E, there's things that can be done there to suppress pathogens of one sort or another. I think the other thing is, my own view, in if you're in the fit-out industry, there's going to be the most colossal boom because I yeah. think there'll be a lot of this repurposing going on um, starting later this year. I think there's, you know, I think there's um, major opportunity. I think a lot of things have been accelerated. I mean, we talk about that a lot of people are going to, be, you know, maintain the working from home a lot more. So in turn, we're going to need less office space. But um, interestingly, on the retail side of the thing, I mean, we know that the internet was giving the high street a, a hiding anyway. But I was talking to somebody that was well involved in that sort of thing, and they were telling me that you know, we were in a world of 
the older generations were saying, I'm not putting my credit card details into a machine. And and now they've been forced to, and they've all gone, well, this is okay. We'll keep doing this. And and it's 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 like um hyperdrived the internet shopping. And I've I, you know, I, I feel that the in, we're going to see more development around that, as in changing city centres to, to probably more leisure and resi, and in turn the infrastructure around inf internet shopping growing. Well, uh, there's no doubt that's happening because of all of the warehousing and fulfillment centres and all of that stuff. I and mean, just before we started this call, we had a knock at the door, and of course it was our local delivery driver, Bernard, bringing me two kilos of coffee beans, which I had ordered from a shop in Berwick-upon-Tweed yeah. on Saturday. And yeah, yeah that, this you couldn't do that before, could you? You wouldn't no. have conceive of it. They wouldn't have been able to sell it. Who would buy a mail order bag of coffee beans, but uh, I've got into I've rather got into the habit of doing it now. Mm. And of course, that's just the microcosm of the way the world's changing. I mean, just to pick up on that, the last time I was tramping around London, which sad to say was in November, um, a number of the small shops where our office is, which is in Bloomsbury, so I'm talking probably more about Fitzrovia, but some of the you know, on Great Portland Street and places like that, they have been turned over to cycle stores. So if yeah. you work a small office there, you just drop your bike into this shop, they keep it safe for you. Maybe they do some repairs, I don't know. But that that's showing a change of use, which, mm. I mean, whether you can make as much money out of doing that as running a small retail business, I've no idea. But, you know, the people are thinking of ways of using that empty space. Yeah, it's some of the uh, some of the money that people spend on their bikes and their get ups and the like, I'm sure they'll pay a fortune to keep it safe for the day. Yeah, well, no, you, that's right. I mean, five thousand pound on a bike is quite normal now. It's, it's astounding, well, isn't it? But there we are. Depends on your way of thinking, but yeah, it's it's common, shall we say? I won't call it normal. We'll say it's common. It's common, yeah. yeah. So there we've gone from demolition to high end bicycles. You know. <laughs> So, gentlemen, just we've had, I think we've had quite a very interesting chat. What what's the sort of where's demolition going? We've obviously you've got this master's degree up Wolverhampton. Sounds like it's making a big impact on moving the bar on the intellectual side of things and the development of people. But what about the technology around uh, demolition? What's what's the what, what's the exciting things which uh, we're going to see in the next couple of years. I think the biggest change, Ben, will be uh, Tim is the is the BIM integration. We're now getting more and more models, so we're going from BIM to DIM. So you are getting models of the building you're trying to demolish. You can work out quantities fairly easily. And as an industry, we you know we've I'm not uh, we write you know we recycle ninety odd percent of materials. But if we can get a much better flavour of what we've got. We can improve that. And I said, we are getting more and more models of buildings before we get there. You can get the quantities down right. And I think that'll change planning and program. If you can see what glass and whatever, um, and you know, the client then can see it. And I think that'd be a change on how we then deal with buildings in if you know what's there before you get there. Um, and there is more and more of that coming out now. That's now, is that the first time I've heard the word dim? I yes. Dim, I, I, I do like that. Well, that could be a first. I assume dim is 
Demolition, Demolition information yeah. model, yeah. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. Richard, have you got any any your own views about where it's going or what's next? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure whether we should continue with DIM. It's already difficult to attract people into our, <laughs> to our industry. But, but uh, the, um, yeah, that I think that digital era is massive to us. I, I, I love innovation. I don't see our techniques altering massively over the next uh, decade or two of how we do it. Um, but I, I think the, the digital era will take more. But the... The, the, the massive thing for me is, I mean, we've talked about the high-end education and things like that, is is getting people into our industry at all levels. The skills shortage is, is a real, real issue. You know, I've I've purposely shrunk my business down deliberately because I've recognised I can't fill it with the skills that I can find the volume of work for, which is a big deal. You know, it's really sad, that is. Um, but I, I, for me, it's attracting the right people into the industry and the, and, and the, the start of that is getting people to realize i had a conversation with a guy not long ago and i, I was talking to him about you know youngsters coming into demolition and i said to him how would you react if your kids came home from school and said i want to go into demolition and and he said well if i'm honest i'll be fairly cheesed off about it and i said and there lies the problem mm. that and and it's not the wrong answer it's not negative, but it's generally how a lot of parents think. If their kids come home and say they want to get into various trades, they're, they're not they're not up for it. And I think we need. I desperately think we need to change that. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, the the demolition uh, industry more so, but construction in general, isn't it? It's seen as a dirty job, a hard job. Uh, and it does. There's no credit to the um, amazing innovation, the sort of digital-led um, you know, future that we've got, uh, and the just the uh, amazing engineering that we see on a, on a daily basis. I think if you, you do you know if you club construction and all the associated industries together, we're our own worst enemy because we you know, it's been so price-driven. I mean, you, you look at you look at people on site. You look at other industries, and people are well turned out in what they're dressed in and their training and um, um, and their um, and and just how their general appearance of things. You go onto a construction site, and quite often people on there or a demolition site, they they're just they're not even in any sort of uniform or or whatever, you know. And and because it's not there, and we're so focused on subbies and subbies doing something cheap and there's there's none of that sort of development or or there's no money for Im improving and developing things and making things better and making it you know up there with a lot of other trades and industries well ben and i have had endless debates about this and i think construction is ripe for a bit of disruption yeah i agree absolutely and yeah. and the and all the associated industries they you know, it needs somebody to get hold of it by the scruff of the neck and professionalise it on all levels. Because a lot of people will tell you, oh, yeah, we're really professional, do it like this and do it like that. But the amount of times that it just comes down to the bottom line and then people talking themselves into the bottom line because it's more attractive than the whole package. Hmm. Anyway, on that note, which I mean, is really interesting, I really must thank uh, Davinda and Richard for your time 
today. It's been a very interesting insight into uh, the demolition in industry and how it's developed over the last few decades. And we've obviously been very fortunate to have two master's degree graduates from the Wolverhampton course. Were you the pioneers, just by the way, were you in the first cohort? Yes, we were. Yeah. Yeah. So I, as I say, worked for two or three years helping develop it and get it off the ground. I have to confess, I've not graduated yet. I handed my last piece of work in uh, a week ago on Saturday, my dissertation. So uh, fingers crossed I'll be uh, graduated. <laughs> my fingers crossed for you, Richard. <laughs> yeah. So I would just thanks again for taking the time out this morning to come on our, our podcast. And for our listeners, please uh, like, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode, which will be published a couple of weeks after this one. So it's bye from me. Thank you very much. Take care. Come to an event for the highest R&D tax credit you can claim. We help construction businesses get back millions in tax credits every year. Contact us today for a free review. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. 